0: So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we're back, back for another episode of Startup Hustle. Matt DeCourcy here to have another conversation I'm hoping helps your business grow. So, everyone has a startup to invest in, and a lot of people want to invest in startups and for the longest time there wasn't a whole lot of change and quite honestly diversity and how a lot of that was done. That said the times they are a change in and oh how they are a change in with a new approach to investing that is incurring all across America and that's what we're going to talk about today. Now before I introduce my co-host for the day. And also before we get too far into it, I want to let you know that today's episode of Startup Hustle is brought to you by our crowd. Do you wish you were in on in early on some of the best performing IPOs of 2019 and 2020? Our crowd investors were. And now you can join them in what's next. With our crowd, accredited investors have access to invest directly, easily, and more importantly, early. Our crowd investors have benefited from our crowd companies IPOing like Beyond Meat or being bought and acquired by other companies like Intel, Nike, Microsoft, and Oracle. Go down to the show notes, ourcrowd.com forward slash hustle. With me today, I have someone who's been on the show quite a few times, but not for a while. One of my in house co workers and in the past, co-founders Daryl Blackburn, the COO of Full Fullscale. Daryl, welcome back.
1: Hi, Matt. It's good to be back.
0: Yeah, it's been a while, man. Where you been? <laughs> I've
1: been around. I, you know, funny. I think my last episode time around this time last year with the PPP loans.
0: Oh, that's right. Yeah, that was a popular one. We had. We're trying to define that. It's crazy how much things changed and all of the wild stuff that happened in just one year. Now, part of why I wanted to have you on the show is, well, first off, you've got history in finance, but past that, you have been a critical uh, person in the investments that we've made at full scale, which is about a half a dozen different companies. So we've gone through the whole gamut of, assessing a lot of different companies, deciding where we made some investments, where we didn't. And you're know, I thought, and you also one of my co-founders from Gigabook and uh, a lot of other things that we've done in the past. So yeah, do you want to tell anyone about your backstory or any of that? Yeah, backstory. We've
1: been working pretty much on and off together pretty much my whole professional career. We've taken some breaks and detours and some kind some kind of magnet always gets us back here. Uh, but yeah, as you kind of mentioned, we've been on both sides of the gamut. We you know the frustrations from trying to get investment and what, what the roadblocks you kind of run into, as well as the assessment process when you're trying to make an investment that you hope pays off big for you in the end. So we've got a little bit of experience on on both sides that I think we can offer.
0: Yeah, and that, I mean, I think that's where the the real underlying importance of what we may have to say, uh, you know, comes in because, you know, we've made investments, we've been on the other side trying to garner investments, and then over the last three years have spent a hell of a lot of time talking about different people's investments and the things that they do. And, you know, part of what we want to talk about today is this new approach to investing, and you're seeing a lot of this, like, Now, I mentioned that you were one of my co-founders at gigabook.com. Now, when that was the case, there was just like, you just had straight up investment for the most part, VCs, and there weren't nearly as many of them. There weren't nearly as many funds and the level of sophistication and access that startups had to different types of investment was pretty limited. Is that fair to say? Yeah, it was that
1: and the struggle with, I, I mean, we were fairly new in the SaaS space, which has been uh, obviously taken off like a rocket ship and just seeing the way that investing has matured away from the old kind of thought process about what assets do you physically hold and more around the potential that your business has to grow and the kind of that ceiling of where you could really top out with an investment that that maturity in the whole investment community has been fascinating to watch.
0: Yeah, and so have the valuations on many days. So yeah. <laughs> that yeah. Kind of makes you shake your head and, and make it maybe make it spin. Now, one of the things and part of what we're gonna talk about today is this new, you know, the these new Startup investment, or often referred to as equity crowdfunding. Now, when we were, had founded Gigabook, and you know, this eight years ago, at this point, it doesn't feel like that long, but it, that's how long ago it was. But you know, with that, the, there—I mentioned at the top of the episode—there were very few, if any, investment vehicles available, and a lot of that was just restrictions, like the right. government had restrictions on it, and. Uh, You know, i mentioned that this episode is brought to you by our crowd and they work with accredited investors. And, you know, that's that there's a there's a different class of investor. Now, accredited investors, that was a that was a status that you could claim years ago, but. Overall, because of the number of small businesses, the number of startups and all of that, the government and the the Security and Exchange Commission created quite a bit of regulation around that. Like, I mean, do you have do you have any comments about that? Like why they do that? Well, so the thought behind that is to protect people from what they don't know, typically
1: for, for right or wrong reasons, lower income. Individuals were thought for a long time by those regulating boards to have less sophistication with investments. So, the the argument um, of so that in quotes, however you want to interpret that, was that higher net worth individuals had more sophistication and could also afford more risk, which these are typically deemed pretty risky investments.
0: Yeah, and overall, you know, the thing is, is and not to be Debbie Downer here, but most startups fail and. Yeah. Um, and the reason the reason for, and when we say sophisticated, um, uh, and you know I think it's it's that the purpose of accredited investors, it's that but also your ability to afford losing money. And I think what yeah. they're trying to do is protect people that might not operate in a business space or, or they don't want you to get devastated right. by making an investment because yeah. you know here's the thing is a lot, I mean startups sound great. And everyone wants to hit a home run, but if you don't know, understand and know the space or you don't understand how it works or, or the difficulty that it takes to get a startup to go from anywhere to even revenue. Like we talked about that so much. I wrote about it in million in my book, million dollar bedroom, which by the way, if you read that book, Daryl is the intern, not named by name, but you were the intern back then. So Yeah. And and now you now you're the chief operating officer of a company with 200 global employees and millions of dollars of revenue. So can't call you the intern anymore. But, um, you know, with with that, like I've talked on this show so many times. uh, So Gigabook is is a great example. So when we launched it, it's it, it had this this world of upside and it also had a world of competition. But the problem that that software, especially complex and sophisticated platforms have was, well, it took us two and a half years to to generate any revenue because it takes forever to build these things. And that's one of the things that a lot of people don't understand about startups is there's a there. Well, there's a shitload of competition out there. And then the and then the numbers aren't stacked in your favor. So when we talked about accredited investors, I'll define that. And that that is very easy to define. Now, I do want to say as well, like we're not suggesting that you that you invest in startups we're not saying that that's the right thing for you we talk about our own experience and give you facts or whatever but i'm not a licensed dealer broker of those kind of services which is something that is important and that's the like i said these rules and these regulations exist for a reason now when it comes to an accredited investor that is someone, uh, I'm going to read this word for word, to be an accredited investor, a person must have an annual income exceeding $200,000 or $300,000 for joint income for the last two years with the expectation of earning the same or higher income in the current year. And there's also, uh, there is there are some thresholds that change around what your net worth is and the value of your home can't count towards that. But you need to check that before you get into it, because here's the thing is you're actually legally forbidden from either taking in certain types of investors or being an investor in certain things. So you have a background in finance, like what would violating that, what kind of what kind of heartache can that lead to? <laughs> Problems that you don't want with regulating boards that you don't want to
1: deal with. Yeah, I mean, it it can run the gamut. Uh, You can get yourself into a whole lot of mess that you are not navigated to operate within.
0: And when he says that, that means someone drops the hammer and ends your world. That's Thor's hammer when it comes down. So we say SEC, when you're selling stock or, or ownership, in an entity, those are known as securities. And the way that they're traded and transferred is really important. Now, that's actually what I like about some of the the changes. So in, in 2012, uh, President Obama signed the Jumpstart Our Business Startups Act, the Jobs Act of 2012. And it made it it made it a lot more accessible for people in general to invest in certain kinds of startups and businesses. So I don't even know if you know this, Daryl, but they create it created a smaller cap for the non-accredited. So some of that, and some of the way that some of these platforms work is they allow a little bit of what I'll just call micro-investment. It, it puts caps on the limits. So in mean, some of these platforms, you the, over a 12-month period, yeah. uh, for example, if your annual income or your net worth is less than $107,000, that's a strange parallel, your net worth or your income, right. um, you, you can invest uh, up to $2,200 or 5% of the lesser. So that uh, enabled these things, these equity funding platforms where a certain businesses could go out and maybe if you just wanted to invest 200 bucks in them, you could. Right makes it more uh, definitely changes the level of accessibility yeah so you know so these platforms have popped up everywhere now with that this this creates a different level of complexity and diligence that you need to go through so you know we'll talk a little bit about that but um you know one of the things that i that i like especially and, and you know i'm not throwing our crowd out there again because they're the the sponsor of this episode, and they are, but uh, but what I like about our crowd is they do all the vetting. So they'll have hundreds of, of companies and startups apply, and they'll say no to almost all of them on the way to picking a couple that are vetted. And the the thing that is cool about some of these platforms, including our crowd, is so you have big funds. That are putting money into some of these uh, other investments so you're investing alongside these companies and right. i think that that's a that's a, a different thing you know and like then i mean i think when crowdfunding first came around you have things like kickstarter indiegogo those are usually used by someone that has a product well like look at mixtape the game right that's something we own part of and it launched on kickstarter But that's a way different type of investment than a startup. Oh, for sure. So overall, like you look at some of this, and we're going to talk a little bit now about some of the pros of startup investment and some of the cons. You want to start with pros or cons?
1: Uh, You know, I I always like to try to keep it positive. Let's start with the pros.
0: Well, that means we're going to end with the cons then. Fine, but we hear the pros first. Set set ourselves up for success. So sometimes if you work with me long enough, I'll talk about the shit sandwich, which means you put the bad news in the middle of two really good news things. So you start and end on a good note and then bundle the crap in the middle. So there you go. A little maybe that's TMI. So when it comes to like when you just think about investment and startups, Darrell, before we like, yeah, I mean, what are some of the things that that you think about when it comes to pros?
1: Uh, The pros, sometimes there's high upside. I mean, there are, we, especially at this day and age, we've seen a ton of startups recently make a lot of waves and make people a whole. So the the opportunity to take a smaller sum of money and blow it up into a very large sum of money is there in startups.
0: So, in, and like I said, your background's in traditional finance. I mean, why is so much money flowing into that side of investment as opposed to just buying Apple stock? i
1: well, for one, I think it's, it's buzzy. It is more exciting than long-term investments in the stock market or mutual funds and kind of just holding securities. I think there's an element of excitement, and I think there is the element of the potential to get rich quick. I think that's what a lot of people are looking for. Uh, it's become definitely more mainstream, so you hear it talked about more, it's the Common public space and public language that they're become the, the general public is becoming more sophisticated investors in general. So for a lot of people to have a little bit of money to their name, it makes a lot of sense to try to really maximize your return.
0: Now, uh, the thing is, though, is with startups you don't get rich quick. I know I'm mixing cons in here, but that's true. Sure. Yeah, it's
1: definitely risky. That startup is bound to hit a million different bumps in the road. And that's why your diligence process when investing your money with that startup is so
0: key. So in some regards, the earlier, the better, but the earlier, the riskier. Correct. We just officially co the pros and cons, which are changing the entire trajectory <laughs> of this. Cause, cause I, I don't want, and I say that cause I don't, I don't feel comfortable like sitting here talking about like the rock star element without talking about the grungy underbelly. Cause
1: I, I think mean, that's, that's actually a there. Perfect, perfect representation of the current, the current landscape of investing though. It, they are co go hand in hand if you're investing in startups it's just a nature of where we're at with the investment landscape right now it is very much commingled so i think it's a fair representation of the reality
0: so all right so now that we've officially commingled the pros and cons and okay. you know before we get into the rest of that yeah I'm a, i'll go ahead and, and give give another shout out to our crowd so today you can join our crowd's investment and Beyond XR, that's a platform that's enabling the world's leading brands to attract customers with the future of virtual shopping journeys. Beyond XR's 3D technology is transforming the way brands do business in the $4 trillion e-commerce market. You can get in, or get in early on Beyond XR and other unique opportunities at ourcrowd.com forward slash hustle. There's a link in the show notes and click that link. Seriously, click that link and sign up. The account's free. Poke around. They have a really cool platform. I mean, if you're just interested. Sign up, take a look, and make sure you click that link because we like it when they continue to sponsor our show because that feels better about our ability to do the show. Um, and as someone that manages our finance, I think you'll confirm that.
1: Oh yeah, show our um, the love, you can.
0: <laughs> so now, now with that, you know that that's the thing though is, dude, there's so many startups, so many, like so many. How do we even pick?
1: It's tough. That That is the key to this whole thing is the ability to put together a diligence process for the money that you're going to invest.
0: Right. And, you know, we're still talking about some of the pros and we'll mix some of the cons and maybe even some things to look for. But, you know, like. I do want to, one thing that I'm going to throw a con out there. So when you, okay, if you go buy stock and this is the difference, we talked about securities, but the difference between buying stock in Apple and buying stock in startup X, well, you can sell that. You can sell that stake in Apple with a click of a button and there's a buyer and you'll get your cash in your bank account and whatever. Daryl, why are startups illiquid? So you
1: are committing X amount of dollars to that company for X amount of time, whatever, whatever that term sheet that you're signing and the investment that you're agreeing to make, you are tying up that money for X amount of time. So that, that business knows, one, how long they have until they pay you back that money, if it's something like a non-dilutive type investment. And they need to know how long that they have that money for. Uh, and then if it's something that is just straight up an equity play where you're exchanging cash for a percentage of that company, uh, until that company has some kind of sale event, then that money is being used by that business to build the business.
0: Or or if they're issuing dividends. and. Sure. I mean, here's the thing though: startup. The term startups and profitability are like oil and water. I mean, it depends on what it is, and you know, I think we're bundling startups into too broad of a term there, right? Because we'll look at like the company that we've built at Full Scale. Full Scale is a completely different type of startup than my business partner has at Stackify, right? Correct.
1: Yeah and there it's different types, different sizes, different game plans on how they're going to monetize, different exit strategies, on what they plan to accomplish with the company there. I mean, startups, you're correct, is entirely too broad of a term.
0: And di- and different valuation multiples when it comes to attracting investors because, you know, right. like that's even even though at full scale we do tech services, We're not a we're not a tech company because we're basically in the service business and just and then fortunately for me and maybe the rest of us is that doesn't get that sexy, crazy, like exponential feeling multiple that goes with it. So that's one of the things, you know, when it comes to investing where some of these startup platforms are going to help you vet what you're doing is that's p- part of what they're looking for because I think it's really easy. So let's look at a really mainstream example of just disgusting overvaluation. WeWork. <laughs> WeWork, very well publicized, Daryl, why was WeWork overhyped and overvalued? So they, they so s- s- certain startups
1: have the potential to be worth so much because they can scale way ahead of their costs. So their are expenses to run the business. So when you are a SaaS platform with user base, you can add users without adding employees and costs and facilities. So your operating costs can still relatively remain low as your profits completely skyrocket. So with more service-based type industries where your costs have to rise almost in a fixed manner with your revenue... There's no ability for that kind of that that large valuation because you're always going to be tacking on huge operation costs to increase any of the revenue that would be coming into the business.
0: So you look at like, well, the the business that our crowd is mentioning and the beyond XR, which is virtual 3D shopping. So here's the thing: software shows up to work every day. So a product like that. And when it's been vetted, especially, they can look at it and like, oh, okay, this could expand from from a thousand people using it to ten thousand people using it, and we don't have to. Well, we likely don't have to hire more people now. Um, the profitability can rise sharply, and that some of that's just about turning a server up, right? And that's and you so once again, so, software shows up every day.
1: Right. I mean, you just 10 X your revenue, but you don't have to nearly 10 X your expenses to generate that revenue. You have to do. And a then on 1. On. 1. Right.
0: right. So yeah, so, yeah. So definitely- our, our, our own, our own business full scale is hard to scale, even though we're named full scale because people have to perform those services. And Correct. with that, we don't hire anyone. We only hire like the top 10% of applicants which means we got to find them. We got to recruit them, assess them, retain them, employ them, all of it. And then just the nature of people in general is people aren't consistent. They want time off and they have lives and they have families and they get sick and they quit and go work somewhere else. Or they don't perform the way that you want them to and you fire them. And, you know, so, so like at full scale, like right now we have every, all 180 of our people are fully engaged with clients, and we actually have a waiting list, which right. is great and terrible at the same time, because we have the opportunity to do business, but we we can struggle to scale. And then sometimes we hire a bunch of people and hoping the business is there, and then it comes in slower. Right. Not yeah, to definitely have, problems. To have different levels of problems. We should say it's, I don't want, it's not scalable. It's just slower to scale where we'll take Matt Watson's company at Stackify. They could have a thousand new users sign up today and hit that platform. And quite honestly, all they're going to need to do is turn, maybe, maybe turn the server up a little bit. If they even have to do that, it might already be set to do that. And yep. that's, and then another thing too, is a lot of software and tech companies once they get ingrained. And that's actually what we liked about GigaBook was once you build a system that runs a business, that business is really hesitant to switch. Yep. So that's, that's gen- I mean, general I mean, stickiness. Yeah. Yep. Okay, so Daryl, what are some of the things when we, all right, so we've invested, about 1.5 million dollars in startups and you talk about what what does that look like we write code we don't write checks so we use our we use our excess capacity to help startups get moving or in some cases help existing ones push forward a little bit in exchange for some equity or or warrants which are like future options where we could buy but what are some of the things that we look for when we make these investments so one of the most key things to me is the industry they're in and the potential earning
1: power that that company could have within that industry so if it's if it's a small industry even if you're the best at it and the only one that you have very limited earning capacity so i think the, the the general scope of the industry is one of the very key things to really understand
0: so some of those businesses like and what Daryl's referring to is often called TAM, T A M, total addressable market. And well, let's just use one of our portfolio companies, Stenovate. Yep. So Stenivate provides efficiency solutions for court reporters, which is really unique. They don't have a they don't have much if any competition on many days, but there is a finite nature to that cuz there's only so many court reporters there's right. only so many transcriptionists, and it's not like you know something like, for example, a cleaning company where there's millions of people there. So those right. cleaning companies have to compete with a gazillion other. Like I actually had a guy that had some cleaning, uh, had a cleaning efficiency like to help you run your cleaning company. Get route. They were one of our Chicago top startups. So he told me in the U.S. there's a million cleaning companies. Well, I'm not surprised at all. I mean, a lot of those are one person, right? But it still counts. So you can get lost in the crowd. So some of the things I'm looking for, I who who is it? Who's the jockey? I like I like who who are the founders? Who's the founding team? Do they have a successful history? Because here's the thing I've just learned is I, I'm. Can we agree that I'm old?
1: <laughs> I mean, we can agree that I'm old.
0: I I turned 46 this year. And in the world of tech on some days, I feel like a freaking dinosaur. But overall, like, here's the thing I'll use myself as I have wins. I have rings or trophies. And that matters because you learn a lot on the way to that. I think that and that's and that's a big thing. So, you know, you're going to look at you're going to look at the company, you're going to look at the team. And then, like you mentioned, not only looking at the industry, but what's the industry experience now? for And we'll use Stenovate again. The founder, Lauren Lawrence, she is a court reporter. She is a stenographer and she had a firsthand understanding of the problems that they were trying to solve. And that direct relation to it, it's helpful.
1: Yeah. Hey, I want to back up one one step because you mentioned that you've got rings and trophies. One thing that I really like when you're kind of looking at the the founding team is that you have scarves,
0: too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about that some more. So, like,
1: yeah, you know, everybody's seen that that golden kid who was perfect and the first time adversity hit crumbled. You definitely don't want that. So I I like knowing that my management team knows how to win, but they also know how to bounce back from failure because that is the only guarantee with these startups is that they will hit failure at some point. There's going to be a road bump. There's going to be a pivot. There's going to be something unexpected. So I want to know that the founding team knows how to deal with failure, adversity. They know how to adapt and still come out ahead.
0: I think some of the reason that that's important, too, is until you've really been knocked down and kicked and run over, uh, you feel kind of bulletproof. And I I talk I use this example a lot because you were there uh, and we wrote about it. I wrote about a million dollar bedroom. At one point, we had innovated some things that were getting creating a large amount of passive income for us. And it was just going and we were like, oh, my God, this is the greatest thing ever. And then we got penalized by Google. And that went from making thousands of dollars a day to nothing. And I look back at that and I had I have such an appreciation for that occurring when it occurred for me because I learned to respect it. I mean, it taught you it taught you that basically. The sales gods will give it and take it away at their own discretion on many days. And, but the thing is, 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 is someone that hasn't lost and someone that hasn't been, uh, well, first off, if you're an entrepreneur and you're saying that you haven't struggled, you haven't failed, and you haven't lost, I either you're lying or you haven't been doing it that long because. Right. Uh, entrepreneurship in general and startups, especially are, are quite humbling on many days. Uh, so is raising capital. So, you know, I mean, those are some of the things. But, yeah, if the if if a founder hasn't failed, I'm I that I don't like that, actually, because I don't want my money to be what they they build their failure upon. And yeah. that can happen. So. You know, another thing when it comes to when you're when you're considering and looking at these alternate platforms and, you know, like I I know we're talking about a lot of pros and cons, but this is, is geared to help people that might want to look at these platforms and these micro investments about what to look for. And you know, you got to keep in mind that early stage companies are slow to develop. I think that Hollywood will lead you to believe that people start a startup and then two years later they sell it for a for a B. Meaning right. like the third trace commas. And that is that's not how it works actually. Most most companies that are acquired are that's occurring in the seven to ten year mark, if ever. And that's just kind of the way it goes. Yep. All right. How about some best practices? Just general best practices. So if you're going to go and you're going to use platforms, like, and let's, well, let's name a few of these platforms. It's like they're, they're out there. You, you know, our crowd, obviously, that's the that's sponsor of today's episode. Now, our crowd, they do accredited investors. Some of these other platforms don't. Like, for example, uh, let's take Seed Invest and well that's also uh, exclusive to accredited investors but non well non-accredited investors can do small they have small tiers so maybe like 500 bucks or something small um some of them like there's another one called fundable it has a minimum investment of a thousand now let's talk about republic because we actually have a pretty sizable investment in our friend uh roy scott and healthy hip-hop they have an active campaign on Republic right now. And I, I just, even though I technically own 10% of the outstanding shares, I, I made an investment in it because I wanted to see how it worked. And I was able to put two, 250 bucks, charge it to my credit card. (laughs) I mean, it was quick and it was easy, man. And it did ask me some questions and some qualifying stuff. And it's got, a whole entire page. Go check it out. Go check out Healthy Hip Hop on Republic and see what that's about because that's a good example. Uh, now, that's a different kind of platform than something like Our Crowd because that is a true equity crowdfunding so you know it had like 40 different invest investments made and it, it was at at like seventy five hundred bucks after the first couple of days or something now another another popular one's angel list and it might be the oldest and most established of the list that we have and that helps with that stuff now there's a lot of these things springing up which my gut tells me you need to look towards the, to the hour crowds to the republics and the things like that, because I I gotta wonder on something. Oh, uh, we vet them, okay. What does that look like? Right. What does what diligence or vetting look up for the early stage business?
1: So I would I would go back to that startup is a very broad term. So that's very much going to depend on the round that is being opened other investors that have already invested, is this the first time they're taking in investment? And it could look, be as simple as a, a very non-formal contract that you're gonna put in X amount of dollars and receive X amount, X percent of that company back in equity, or you could go through some very ser- serious diligence round if the investment is enough. And, and that's going to include a full look into the background of the founders, their, their personal financial statements, what they look like personally from a financial point of view, what the company looks like from a financial point of view. So it, it can get very deep into the background of the individual starting the company, depending on how, I guess, creative the round is.
0: You know, you bring up a good point there because a lot of people would think, well, why would they look at the financial history or background of a founder? Well, if you can't manage your own money, how are you? Why, why would why would someone think you could manage ten million bucks? By the way, that's another thing, in my opinion, that comes with that experience already been down the road. And I and I know a lot of people that write big checks, and mm. they, I mean, and I repeat this as if I'm a parrot. But they'll say, like they've told me, and I never even thought about this until the first time I heard this a couple of years, we got to know what you're going to be like when you have access to $5 million. Because you see these goofy, you know, you see like uh, the show Silicon Valley who kind of pokes fun at a lot of that. You know, here comes this $50 million check. And next thing you know, there's a, a private party with Kid Rock and like Jets and Lambos and a lot of that. And here's the thing. Once the investor puts that money in, they're in some cases, they have maybe even no right. control. Sometimes they do and sometimes they don't, but you know, overall. So, I mean, that's some of what comes in. Now, one thing, if you're not experienced and you're looking at these platforms, one of the things that I do want you to look for in best practices is what's the valuation? So, like, what does that mean? So when you're buying stock in anything, it has a value. Now, Apple stock during this conversation and of us recording this, it changed. It didn't just stay the same. It might've just gone up and down by pennies or maybe dollars or who knows. Now, investing in startups is a little more static than that in, in the beginning. So like, you'll look at something and it'll say, you have an $8 million valuation which means that whatever amount you put in, so say it's a 100 bucks, you will take 100 and divide it by 8 million. And that's what percentage of that company you own. Yep. And sometimes there's other things that come in, there's caps and discounts and a lot of it. And now we're getting into stuff that quite honestly i've been an entrepreneur i we both went to top 10 business schools i dropped out you didn't um, but <laughs> but with that but with that like you know that that whole like the valuation thing and caps and discounts i tell a really funny story cuz i made a trip all the way to new york city several years ago and you remember when I went to do that and I man I sat down with some real sophisticated people for one meeting before the next day was filled with them I came out of that meeting and I said oh my god I got a lot of shit to learn by tomorrow morning yeah. and quite honestly I took an Adderall and I drank about a pot of coffee and I didn't sleep that night because I had to I had to get myself up to speed because dude there's a lot of different ways that your money can go in right Oh yeah, and you can get laughed out of that room quickly. And you can also get left out later. Yeah. Like there's certain types of investments like where you have priority when it comes to the company being sold and and certain things and like I mean I'm saying there's a lot of complexity. There's a lot yeah. of complexity, so it's not always straightforward. That's one of the things that I think you should look for in these startup investment platforms these equity crowdfunding platforms is how clearly are they explaining it to you and I, I our crowd does a great job with that some of the other ones we mentioned do as well and really helping you understand and then you know and then some of it you know like some of them are going to almost tra- they're going to basically transfer you tokens of sorts like you have actual securities and things now while it isn't as straightforward now i do think the marketplace related to startups and owner's equity and owning equity in them and stuff like that. I do think we're not that far down the road from having some level of tradability and improving the liquidity of them. There are even some platforms that help, that help employees like sell their options back. But that, that if you can't afford to have your money in that until a point that someone else determines when you don't, don't make the investment yeah yeah i agree okay so you know some other things too is and like i said some of this is a cautionary tale please do not take all of your life savings and dump it into one startup yeah <laughs> that's a, a not a good that, i i said i'm not going to tell you how to invest your money but i will there because yeah okay that I think... said like yeah
1: As a former licensed member of FINRA, I have to say that I'm not a financial investor. I'm
0: not, it's not financial advice, but that's a pretty good recipe for heartache. Well, it can be because you get your money stuck. Now, look, that's something that's happened to me as a founder in my own company. You saw it happen to me last year in 2020. I'm not shy about it. I was basically all in. We were at the point where that was gonna pay off big. and And then a global pandemic hit. Right. And I was screwed a couple different ways because I had basically all my money in the company and then the company needed money. And think about yourself as your own startup and how you're going to navigate in and around that. Because I will tell you one thing, you're not going to go down to your bank and borrow against the securities that you own in a startup that is not publicly traded. Banks are not at that point yet. They They are going to ignore that. They're gonna yeah. literally like we because we went through that. We were trying to refinance our own company and here we are. We own a million and a half dollars worth of stock in other companies. And Daryl, what did the banks say about that? Don't care. In I mean, so many works. words, they did <laughs> not care. Yeah. No, I actually had yeah. one tell
1: me I don't care.
0: Yeah yeah and that that led to and for those of you that know me well or know me well enough through the war through the podcast that put me on the war path a little <laughs> bit because it you know I, I go to events and i do things and all these banks want my business they want my money they want my endorsement they want my referrals and then they won't even recognize a startup's assets and startups i'm like why would i give you my business or do any you won't even recognize my business and its net worth or the other things we've invested in, let me know the curve and making a difference there so you know and then another thing too is what whether you're investing in a startup on in a very direct way that means outside of these kind of equity crowdfunding platforms or whatever what is your post investment involvement like are you expected to like really be involved are not because i think that having a misunderstanding about that leads to a lot of heartache
1: uh, it can lead to a rough, a rough relationship with that company as well either you're overstepping bounds and offering advice that you're not supposed to be offering you were strictly a check or you were supposed to be a check plus some expertise uh, you brought something that that company needed in a way that you could help them succeed and you're not holding up to your end of the bargain there either.
0: Yeah. And that can feel disappointing. And in the past, I mean, a gigabook, we had one advisor, we signed up that just didn't do anything. And we had to like send legal notification. That's like, by the way, you're not an advisor and you don't get your options. Yep. And that, that certainly didn't help my relationship with that person later on down the road. Just meaning like that's, that's it. but. I mean, really, in the end, when you get into all of this, I think the moral of the story is, regardless of whether it's an hour crowd, Republic, Seed in Vass Angeles, any of that, or just with a, a person you know, good fences make good neighbors. And they say that for a reason, because keep it in bounds and understand the, the I think that you really have to look at, I say sunny day and rainy day. If everything you're written only, only, has to do with one of those, you have a very incomplete agreement. Like you need to look at things like what happened? Okay, what if you want to sell your ownership? Like who has the first rights for that? Like right. we have that at full scale. Like if, if I or Matt want to sell our ownership and the company to someone else, either one of us gets the first right to buy that before the other person. These are things you need to think out. And that's where legal professionals and financial advisors and people that do that shit all day are making their money. So yeah. You know, past that. And that's where you can lean on companies like Our Crowd. And once again, a big thanks to Our Crowd for helping us bring you today's episode. Click the link in the show notes, ourcrowd.com forward slash hustle. It's free to sign up in their platform. And, you know, they don't bug you. You're not going to, you're not going to like, your phone isn't going to ring two minutes later and you're not going to get a bunch of spammy bullshit. I think it's a great I love this whole thing because I think anything that gets startup founders gives you more options for raising capital and doing it in a way that is feels a lot more painless than I've been through is a great thing. So, you know, as Daryl, as you're aware, I end my episodes of Start a Puzzle with the Founders Freestyle, and I say my episodes, I'm not the only host of Start a Puzzle. Make sure you tune in on Tuesdays to learn all about e-commerce and Amazon from Marknology founder Andrew Morgans. Tune in on Thursdays with Innovate Her founder Lauren Conway, and man, I don't even know, she talks about so much different stuff and so much amazing things. I can't get... 20 seconds into one of lauren's episodes without smiling because she just (laughs) has that great energy around her if you haven't had enough start a puzzle by then did you know that we started a tv show all you got to do is go to youtube and type in start a puzzle it's real easy to find us and you will learn a whole lot of stuff uh daryl what would you like to say on your way out nothing i
1: appreciate you having me on uh once again Diligence is key here. Rely on professionals for help. Make sure you truly understand what you're getting yourself into in all aspects uh, and and definitely rely on this ever growing world of help with the investment with places like it's a great resource.
0: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I mean, overall, like I said, whether if you're a startup, you should look into places like our crowd. And the other ones that we mentioned, and if you want to, you want to get your feet wet with investing into startups, then these equity crowdfunding platforms are a great way to do it. Just make sure that you're doing it within your means, within your ability, and you're making informed decisions and past that, I mean, you still got to pick winners, no matter what it is. So, you know, like I said, if you feel comfortable getting into that stuff, go for it. Thanks for joining me, Daryl. And thanks for tuning in, everyone. I'll catch up with you next time. Startup hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button. Then come find us on Instagram. See you next time.
1: We do it.